This morning I'm going to deal with a subject that we need to look at often in our lives because we just don't realize how much it uh, is a issue uh, coming up, and that's dealing with discontentment and having contentment. We talk about that often, but just was very much impressed uh, by the Lord to deal with that here this morning. Advertisers are well aware of the fact that uh, the, the uh, sinful nature of mankind is covetous. Okay, they're very aware of that. And so they spend an inordinate amount of time trying to make each one of us dissatisfied. And uh, that's, that's the whole, you know, uh, technology. Uh, you get, you buy something and within a couple of months, the next uh, level up is coming, you know, and uh, telling you, you know, what you, don't, what you have now just doesn't cut it compared to what this is. And it just is a constant line. That's why fashions have to change. You know, when you've lived as long as I have, uh, you've just seen them go round and around. I mean, some of the stuff you think is cool is, man, it was, uh, uh, that was back in the 80s, you know, it's the same thing. And uh, then it went out of style. I mean, it was just really uh, totally all for the nerds, you know, to wear those things. And now you're wearing them again. It's amazing. I just hope we don't go back to those super thin ties. That, that would, uh, yeah. Or those really big wide ones, you know, about that wide. I've noticed that it, that has stayed somewhat uh, because um, uh, dress, uh, business dress, um, is not as much uh, coat and tie as it used to be, so that isn't where all the styles necessarily are seen, though that there are changes in styles there. But it's just constantly attempting to get us dissatisfied. And they know if we will become discontent enough, the frustration of our covetousness will make us spend and spend. And due to our chronic covetousness, many of us have adopted the motto, I shop, therefore I am. <laughs> I couldn't resist giving this little illustration from Tony Evans. Uh, I just thought that was, uh, with our emphasis, um, I shop, therefore I am. But I hate to say it, that a lot of our sense of who we are, how we're doing, how we're perceived, is based upon staying on the cutting edge of things such as what we wear, what we have, uh, what our experiences are, and they uh, unfortunately are not the important things of life, though they obviously have their place. So I want to look at this matter of contentment. If you'll turn with me to the well-known passage, 1 uh, Timothy chapter 6, 1 Timothy chapter 6. We are going to look at just a, uh, several verses here as he is talking about the problem of dissatisfaction even among servants and their masters and so forth. And then, uh, then the problem of uh, the disputes over truth. I can't go into all of that context, but let's pick it up at verse 6 of chapter 6 of 1 Timothy. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us therewith be therewith content. 
But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, while, which while some coveted after, they have... Now please note the seriousness of the end of this. Erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Whoa. You know, you go through the first part, yeah, we're not supposed to be discontent. And all of a sudden, you look at the bottom line, and it's pretty serious. But I have found it is that serious. And I'm going to be looking at this more through the lens of college students than uh, what I would normally preach to the church family uh, and try to apply it in a way that can be helpful to you. Well, you go back to verse 6, you have the comparison there. Uh, between content, well, it's not the comparison, not made in the verse, but if you are content and not discontent, and you are walking with God, all that goes together, that is great gain. In other words, that's very high-level living. And, and so I want us to think about how important uh, it is uh, to have this great gain in our life. We don't view a great gain. I'm going to come back to this in a little bit. But we don't view great gain from that standpoint. Godliness um, has the idea of piety, reverence, likeness to God. And it's just, it's living, it's knowing him in such a way that you have true holiness, uh, genuine spirit-filled living and virtue that comes into your life. So it's a pretty broad and expansive term that comes about our attitude toward God. In other words, God is enough instead of other things are what we need. That's really uh, what you have here. And if you have a walk with God and therefore are content you have great gain in your life, far beyond anything else happening. Now, I want to stop here for just a minute. The Lord laid this on my heart a while back to take a few minutes here. And let's just talk about what did we learn last week about what really matters? What struck you about life? Uh, what should be that which should satisfy you, that which should motivate you, that which should be precious to you, uh, things that uh, helped you. Because if we are living godly, then contentment will come if we value that. But what I want to do is I want to remind us of how God taught us, and then I want us to see how we get off of the plane of that being what we're counting on. And then we start slipping back into wanting things outside the realm, really, of God's will as far as the way we're looking at them. Okay? I'll define that in just a few minutes. So, we'll just, I'll take a few minutes here to, if you can state in several sentences, what was it that you learned about God that caused you... Uh, to realize this is what's important, this is what was helpful, and it really has encouraged me in that relationship with the Lord. So uh, we'll give, we'll open it up here for just a few minutes. There'll be different nuances probably of the same thing as we go along, but I just want you to hear from each other and get to thinking again. You know, so we've been trying to do that over this week. Let's don't lose what God's given to us. So who'll be first here? Yes. Not just 
Yes, knowing him personally uh, is where the victory comes from. It's not, uh, victory is not the ultimate end. Yeah, amen, good, all right. Yes. Christ, Christ is everything, right? And you can go to him for what you need, absolutely. And it's very real, it's very real. I hope you had some moments where that was very personal to you. Yes, Ryan? His love is what motivates us for ministry. Right. His love is what motivates us for ministry, and uh, that gives us the right perspective. Yes, Martha? His love isn't based on what I do. It's not conformity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's a key one, which we'll get to there. All right? It's not, his love is not based on a performance. All right. Yes. Yes. Heaven is Jesus. And, uh, yes. Realizing not only the supremacy of Christ, but also the supremacy of his commission. Mm-hmm. And realizing that we can't call ourselves you know, devoted followers of Christ unless we're really putting his mission first. Yeah, amen. Yeah, And if we really are knowing him and our uh, understanding he's everything, that means then that the commission becomes our life. And if the commission is not becoming our life, then we still are not in that kind of relationship as we should. Yeah, good, that puts some pieces together there. All right, good, yes, Fletcher. Yes, he is constantly wanting to give us his mind. Isn't that amazing? He wants us to have the mind of God. I mean, that's, that's just an incredible thing. Yes, Michael? God is timeless, and so his thoughts we now are the same as when he saved you. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's a good, that eternal perspective. That comforts me every morning when I'm going through God and his attributes, just to think of, he's, he's looking at everything all at one time. And my relationship with him is based on that. Yes, out of faith. Yes, amen. That's great. Yes. God Himself doesn't change, but it's me and the way I view Him that changes. Mm-hmm. That's right. And we do, it seems like He's doing more, but it's because we're receiving more, we see Him, we trust Him more, yeah, all of that. And of course, we can go the other direction too about God. Yeah. Good. Yes, Kate? Yes, He knows us better than we know ourselves. That's a great comfort, too. Good. All right, these are all very good. Yes. Could you say it a little louder for me? Yes. God is working once you start praying, and He really is. He is endeavoring to, He's working it out. And, and so that's a blessing. I saw a hand here somewhere. Yes, Lord. Staggering thought, isn't it? That's good. Okay. Yes. It kind of goes along with what Samantha said earlier about performance, but um, his faithfulness is not based on how faithful I am to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is always faithful. Yeah. I was talking to someone recently who, uh, well, I was a person that uh, Stephen, Mr. Gilmore, is working with there, and uh, 
Uh, it was a wrong concept of God is a problem there, isn't it? We talked about that. Just, you could just tell when I said that's not, a, that's not the way God is. Wow, you know, it's exciting. Okay. Yes. Yeah, that's that's staggering. I can't even make a comment on it because it's such a deep, profound truth. That is, I think that's part of the mess, message that night again. That that one just is just uh, it's just amazing. Yes, Andrew. I am crucified with Christ. Not I will be, I am. There's a lot of things we think are promises when they're actually fact. We just need to reckon them. That word reckon is really important. There's a lot of things we claim as promises, uh, and there's different factors, but there's just a lot about who we are that we just need to accept and act upon that because it's already fact about our lives. All right. Anyone else? Take one or two more and then head back in here. But see, this is what well, go ahead. Yes. It's good. God never does anything bad to you. He never does. If you believe that, that will really help you. Now, what we're dealing with, what I wanted you to see from a practical standpoint, did you realize we're talking about godliness? We're talking about godliness. Did you sense that just in those testimonies there's a reverence for God that began to build in your heart? An appreciation, a love, uh, the old term piety. Piety is never outward, it's inward. It's the idea that you're seeing God for who he is and, and how that relates to you and that relationship. And so what I want you to do now is take everything we just uh, had said through these testimonies. Let's go back to verse 6. But all of that with contentment is great gain. I mean, that's, that's, you couldn't get anything better than that. Do you believe that? See, when you get a hold of spiritual truth, you begin to realize, I have everything I need. I mean, all the little stuff of the world, does it compare to what was just said? <clears throat> I mean, it doesn't even begin to compare. The trouble is we get our eyes off of this, these truths. That's why I'm wanting to try to keep you on truth, not emotion, not experience, but keep your mind on truth, and that will make you <clears throat> content. And so true godliness does produce contentment. Remember, the richest person is the one who doesn't need anything else. You can go to some of the richest people in the world and they still, have, they still think something else is going to finally make it for them. I feel sorry for them. And sometimes when they can get anything they want, they feel very empty. Because now the challenge of trying to get something for meaning and for a identity is all over with. And it's, um, it's tragic. As Epicurus, who was anything but a believer, he was, uh, his philosophies brought problems, obviously, to the Greek society. But he did make a statement that was really right. Add not to a man's possessions, but take away from his desires. <laughs> In other words, for us as believers, taking away from our uh, 
fleshly lusts and being satisfied with what God has given to us. Uh, but So a, a godly person is a person, I want you to notice this, that is not motivated by the love for anything in this realm, but his or her deep motivation is the love for God. And so the true riches of spiritual contentment come from a complete trust in an all-sufficient God. In fact, even when you go through trials, uh, let me just quote for you very familiar verses from Philippians 4, verse 11. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, what's the next few words? Therewith to be content. And he goes on to say, I know both how to be abased. We don't like that. I know how to abound. We like that. Everywhere in all things, I'm instructed both to be full. Oh, we like that. And to be hungry. We definitely don't like that. Uh, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And uh, so... Spiritual contentment comes from a genuine walk with God in which his will, his person, is what life is about. That's what you call being crucified with Christ. That's what you call the Christ life. That's what you talk about when you talk about the surrendered life. You could just use all the terms that we use uh, to speak of a person who is walking with God. But it gets down to the essence here of really believing that God, his will, his person, all that he's done for me is all I need. I don't need the things of this world at all. Now, God gives us things that are legitimate. He's so good. He's, you know, if you have good fathers, you know... Your dad likes to give you things. Your mom likes to give you things. You know, that, God's better than that. But I mean, he just, I, I sometimes am amazed. You know, he's, he is so generous. I mean, he's just, con he, think of all the blessings. You don't even think about it. He just constantly, he is actually individually doing stuff for you all the time. But um, what we want to get a hold of is that that's not what life is about. Life is about uh, knowing him and pleasing him. So discontentment does come from the temporal. And uh, Job was, of course, really tested on this with that well-known statement when he first had all the trials hit him in verse 21 of chapter 1. Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, I'm going to make a statement here. I want you to get this. Whenever out of your mouth or in your attitude you have discontentment, what have you just said about yourself? You're not walking in the spiritual realm. At that moment, you're not. I mean, that's one of those gauges. Whoa, I just had a discontented thought. I was envious. Jealous of something somebody else got. Heard an advertisement and uh, now I don't feel good about what I have. Or I see how somebody else is dressed and you know, I'm discontent with the clothes that I have. I mean... Uh, or on higher plane. I didn't get this opportunity. I didn't get that level of responsibility. Um, people are, this person's doing things better than I'm doing uh, and, and I'm not rejoicing with them. I'm, I'm uh, you know, envious of them. And I, if I could just have this, if I could just have that, 
The minute you're discontent, you don't like what's happened to you, the work that you have to, to do, uh, the trial that just came on you, you're frustrated about it, stop right there. All of the wonderful truth we just talked about is right now not taking hold in your mind. You have gotten back down on the level of the world. That's, can you imagine being lost and that's all you have? Sometimes I think about that. I've been saved so long, I, I don't know what that would be like. I certainly have fought that way in the flesh. But to have that as the only way to value life has got to be just amazingly bad. And those of you that work with teens, understand, lost teens, are they're miserable. I told you some of the statistics the other day. It's just tragic. And I uh, appreciate some of you have been very burdened about that. And we need to reach the teens. And so uh, just some things about this matter of contentment. Then I want to get down to more specific application here. But we need to consciously realize, folks, that God owns everything. And that we're stewards we don't own, so therefore we don't have to have. He's the Lord, and what he chooses to give us is for the sake of taking care of his estate. Remember, when Joseph was a steward there um, under the captain of the guard, even though he had, uh, you know, it looked like he was wealthy, he didn't own one thing. Everything was uh, Potiphar's. But he was a selfless steward of what Potiphar had given him. And, um, and that really helps. Uh, you don't own anything. And, that, and so if you start thinking, I got to, you're feeling good about yourself because you own something or you have accomplished something and, and you are, and you have uh, possessions or, and you feel good about yourself for those aspects, you're, you're totally missing the point. Anything good that God's given you, that's for his purposes to be accomplished. And you're now using it for yourself. Secondly, you got to cultivate a thankful heart. That will really help you. Whenever God does something kind, he does it all the time. Just stop and say thank you. How many times have you been in a prayer meeting with me? What's well, one of the first things I usually say after we've gone through something? We've got to stop and thank God here. I mean, this is amazing what God did. I mean, we had a prayer meeting and he answered every prayer. I mean, we need to fall on our faces before him and thank him for how good he is. Um, remember, God doesn't owe us anything. Everything he's done for us is purely because he loves us. And uh, it's unconditional. And so we need to be thankful. We've got to learn to distinguish between our wants and our needs. And uh, not live a core. See, the minute you get into thinking about wants and making those your goal, you have now stepped out of really the spirit-filled life. And you've stepped into this matter of discontentment and covetousness at that point. Uh, now, one of the problems we have as America is our level of what we think are needs uh, in other places. Uh, they couldn't dream of what we think is a need. When your air conditioning goes out, you are really put out when it's hot. Okay. Uh, and for us, I guess it is a need, and there's things, and we work hard. I wasn't real happy when half of the air conditioning in the auditorium went out uh, uh, last uh, summer, and uh, that's supposed to get fixed here soon. I hope it is. I don't mind it being cold right now. It, uh, we'll wait till we get that thing fixed. But, uh, but, you know, our needs are a whole lot different um, in our perspective. And then, unfortunately, what happens in America 
is that we spend money we don't have and take time we don't have to get things we don't need. And I just want to encourage you, this is not a message on money, but don't use the credit card. Don't use the credit card. It can be used legitimately under control and it's a monthly thing, but I'm telling you, uh, don't be paying interest. Do not, do not, do not. Um, I just, I really urge you to get that as a rule of life right now. Don't spend what you don't have. By the way, God loves to give you what you need. It's a whole lot greater uh, to get it. I mean, I'm just amazed. Have you ever sort of wanted something, even thought about it when you prayed? You didn't actually pray, pray and then a couple days later it happened. You think, you know, he just heard my thought and he did it. Man, that's shouting ground. That's how much, uh, don't you love when you hear somebody you love uh, to all of a sudden you can tell they want something and you get it for them. Man, you just love to do that. And they're shocked. They didn't even ask you for it or say anything about it. You could just tell that's something they want. We just, we enjoy doing that. Well, God does that for us all the time. So don't get into debt. All right, now let me, uh, let's look at this matter of covetousness because um, uh, as you go down the passage, uh, verse 7, we're not going to carry anything out. There's all those illustrations and in a hearse, you don't ever see anything somebody I look into caskets sometimes of things that people will put in with them, and I think, you know, well, that's sweet, but, I mean, uh, that's going to do nothing but be in that casket. Not that's legitimate at times, but the idea that we can take things with us, uh, so many illustrations of that. Uh, and then uh, we need to be content with food and raiment, and we're not in America with food and raiment. Let us be content. But they that will be rich fall into temp a temptation and, and snare and in any many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root, the root or a root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. I could finish out here talking about wanting things, but that's not what I'm going to talk about, Okay. And, uh, and, and look at America. The materialism of the last um, half a century, has it done us any good? It's absolutely destroyed us. But let me apply it this way. And this is a very different perspective. And that is that every one of us, if you have any kind of... Uh, just understanding that you can be used of God and, and um, you can be successful. Every one of us has a desire to achieve. We have this desire to be appreciated. We would like to be known as good at certain things. Um, we'd like to be known for the right things. Now, just admit it, that's... that's that's not all bad if it isn't human pride and so forth, but there ought to be a motivation in you. I mean, there ought to be a drive in you. So I don't want to get the wrong perspective here. But this is a problem. I remember back in college and now all the way through. College students don't want to go through the pain and sacrifice to legitimately see the change in your life to get to the place where God can make those things happen. 
performance, it was mentioned, uh, performance-oriented. Uh, that was uh, that trying to, man, I liked, man, what this, this guy over here is a, he is a, really, he's a well-known preacher. I'd like to be like him. And so you try to mimic his style. Is that going to work? No. If your motivation is to be known like him, but bypass all of the development, the spiritual growth, the character development, the honing of skills under the leadership of the Lord, which means you've got to learn how to be a servant, work hard. Uh, just, there are so many reasons why somebody is being used of God. And you want to sort of shortcut and, and do that. Listen, many young preachers have been flashing the pans. I believe me, my classes, I saw it. I've mentioned before, the president of the student body when I was a sophomore, he was one classy dude. I mean, he really was. He was a preacher like I've never heard. I mean, he was good, but he bypassed. He, he wouldn't serve. He wasn't, he, 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 didn't, he didn't work hard. And there's a lot of other things. And, um, and so he doesn't surprise me. He's still in jail today. Um, because he did, uh, he had all kind of fraud schemes and so forth. He's constantly trying to get something via the shortcut. But then there were those guys that were servants, worked hard, uh, listened to their their leadership uh, in their lives, their parents and others. Uh, you could just tell they had a spirit that they knew they couldn't do it. They wanted God to do it. And maybe they weren't necessarily the ones that you looked at first that were going to be the, the great uh, leaders of later days. But they just continued to let God develop them and grow them. And they didn't take the shortcut. They were not. They were content with the process where it was. And uh, they, they were really... Uh, thankful for everything that they got. Well, those guys are the guys today. I'll give you one example. Uh, Bud Stedman. He was in my class. Bud Stedman was a leader to some extent, but he wasn't Mr. Flash on campus. But he was one guy right there, ready, learning, learning, growing, working hard, developing everything he could. I mean, uh, uh, just, just giving himself to... Uh, to being the man of God that he should be. And we were able to honor him the other day, legitimately so. You could tell from the testimonies that we had, uh, the deep blessing. And, and he's been a great blessing to me. And he's been a blessing to all, a lot of our missionaries that uh, are connected to Baptist World Mission. He's really served them. I mean, he gives, goes out of the way. Well, you can't just try to be like somebody like that and just think, well, if I can just get the right position, if I can get people to get me into that church, if I can get people to get me into that position or teach in that school or whatever, I'll make it. Oh, no, no, no. God will get you exactly where you need to be at the right time if you're willing to be content with the hard work. I mean, there are some things in school that are tough, aren't there? Be content with that. Listen. That ma the matter of the languages, folks, you need that. Be content with the pain, okay? It's okay. And, uh, and frankly, some of you will finally learn English after you learn Greek. I mean, that's, uh, that is really true, right? I mean, I remember thinking after I finished my second year of Greek, man, I really understand English now. I wish I had Greek. No, that wouldn't work. Uh, but anyway, uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm so thankful. You know, I, I needed that. I just needed that whole pressure. 
those of you that are in recitals right now and preparing, it is a bit traumatic, is it not? Uh, I wish everybody had to take do a recital. If I could somehow figure that out, make that happen. Because uh, every recitalist always tells me afterwards, oh, that was horrible and the best experience of my life for developing me. It's really, it's really interesting. I, I get, I've heard that over and over and over. And, uh, but uh, you need to be content with because there's so much. Listen, don't try to be, don't try to perform. Uh, don't make that your goal to be known, to succeed. It needs to be God develop me so you can use me. If I succeed, I want it to be because you allowed me to succeed. In fact, I want to, I, I just, I, in fact, many times the thing we're angling for over here isn't where God's taking you. He's taking you over here. That's a whole lot better. You never know what God's going to do in your life. So it is very important. I hope you're tracking with me on this because this is really where you live. If you're coveting a certain, in other words, you want to be known for something, but you're not willing to suffer to get there. Um, then, honestly, this fits, this passage fits. You've got to have godliness with contentment. Go through the learner stage. That's why you came to college. Now, we have a lot of fun, don't we? But we have a lot of work. This is just a good old-fashioned college student challenge here. Uh, you came to change. You came to mature. Why do you think guys, sometimes they know that they're not doing very well and they go and enlist in the army? Because they know they need to change. And they know it's going to be brutal, but they want to somehow. I mean, I had one guy look at me straight in the face. He said, I know this isn't probably the best thing for me to do, but I am so undisciplined. And I know I'm not going to die, but I just need this. If I don't, I'm just going to be a wasted person. I couldn't argue with that. I didn't like it, you know, but it's sad that he was in that case. But I understand. Uh, and, and honestly, don't we want to be all that we ought to be? And so learn to be content with this level, this level. Don't bypass all of that and think I can get over here and I'll, it'll just happen. Pastors do it all the time. If I can just get the right church or if I can just get into this situation or get that organization, uh, you don't leapfrog into that. You have to be a servant over and over. Yeah, God may put you on the backside of the desert for a while. He knows what needs to be done in your life, step by step by step. Are you willing? Let me ask you, do you really want God's will? Do you want to be all that God wants you to be? Do you want to be the servant that he's designed you to be? Well, listen to him. And every time he prompts you, every time you get leadership, every time there's opportunities that you know you need to deal with, don't bypass them. Don't shortcut them. But embrace them. Be content. Godliness, knowing it's all of God and he'll enable me with contentment in his development of me, is great gain. And then God will get you to the right place. Let him, let him exalt you in due time, as 1 Peter 5 says. If we humble ourselves, he'll exalt us. In due time, he'll do it. I've been shocked over the years, the opportunities I've had. And then there's been other times where it's, uh, you know, gets, uh, you know, it's a little difficult for a while. And then all of a sudden, God, because you had to go through some more training. By the way, training doesn't end at 22, 23. Oh, man, it's all lifelong. And if you don't get down training now, you're not going to catch the training later on. Very, very important. 
So when you succumb to the desire to um, have uh, to be acknowledged, this performance idea of just uh, uh, wanting um, things that uh, without really being willing to go through what God wants us to go through. Uh, and by the way, don't we see that with uh, money, the get rich quick schemes, gambling? I mean, that, that's just natural. And that kind of, uh, of a desire, when you covet something instead of letting God lead you to it, you'll leave the faith. All right, let me give you a couple of final conclusions here. Why are there progressives out of the fundamental young movement? When they know better, they want to succeed. They want to leapfrog into a fast-growing church. They want to build an audience. They want celebrity status. Now, there's other reasons, sin, that's not confessed. And I could give you a whole lesson on why are there young progressives. But I'm telling you, uh, if you are not willing to humble yourself and let God work in your life, you're going to be very susceptible to what works rather than what is right. Okay? And in working with people, it is hard work. Discipleship, some of you guys know what I'm talking about. It's messy. Working with students coming up, like smaller children and their families, you can't, there's just no, you, you can't shortcut and just have, oh, this church. I mean, I look out at the church, and as a shepherd, I got all kinds of needs out there. I mean, yesterday was morning till night. I mean, it, it, lots of different things. And I'm not, I'm not going to run from that. We're not going to just have an audience. We're going to have a church. We want to see you develop. That's why we have BCM. And there's just no shortcut uh, to discipleship. There's no shortcut to working with people. There's no shortcut to working hard for proper leadership. There's no shortcut to sacrificing, to see God work. And, and listen, prayer and fasting, sacrifice. Studying the word of God is, goes against the flesh. If you don't learn those things and you're constantly just trying to make it look good and you're not content, you will not find the, the, the uh, level of what God wants for you. So, a little different application of 1 Timothy 6, but boy, the Lord just, uh, for a little bit of time here, just laid this on my heart as a follow-up from the conference. Aren't you glad that Jesus really loves us unconditionally? You don't have anything to prove. Are you with me? You know, he's not more impressed, but he wants to, he wants your life to glorify him. Let him do the work that has to be done to glorify him. And it's painful because the flesh is strong. You're never going to impress him. But he sure loves you. And he'd love for you to glorify him and the angels to be impressed. But the angels aren't going to be impressed by a great performance. The angels are going to be impressed by God in you. Wow, how can that be? I, we know that guy. We've been down there to rescue him a few times, you know. And here he is. I mean, he's consistently glorifying the Lord. He looks like Jesus. Can you believe it? You know, they're impressed. But who gets the glory? You follow me? It's maybe a unique way to look at it.
but so all these things we're learning, it fits right into what you're doing right now. Be content with the middle of the nine-week block. It's good. This is life. I live in the middle of the nine-week block, 365 days a year. Right, Brother Swanson? Yeah. I mean, it's, and there's no end. But it's glorious. And God keeps working on me, keeps dealing with me, keeps dealing with all of us. We talk about it. It's good. Be content because I want to serve him. I want him to be glorified. And he may let me do things that seem really neat and uh, yet doesn't let you do other things. That's fine. Doesn't matter as long as you've given your life completely to his cause and are willing to go through the hard things to be what God wants you to be. Be content. Godliness, we have everything we need with contentment, is great gain.